Welcome back to Steph's Business Bookshelf and this episode about the book Open by Andre Agassi. Keep listening to find out why it really sucks to be really good at something you really hate. You're listening to Steph's Business Bookshelf, doing the reading so you don't have to. Welcome back. Episode 47 of Steph's Business Bookshelf. We're getting through them. Like I said last week, getting closer to episode 52, only a few episodes away before we get into a year of the podcast, which is very exciting. We're going to be doing a few special things, special episodes and a couple of special events in Melbourne. So keep your ears and eyes peeled on the podcast, but also on social media, LinkedIn and Instagram in particular to find out more about those over the next few weeks. Now, if you're listening to this as one of my avid fans, I'm going to pretend I've got avid fans for a moment, and listening to this on the day it goes live on the 25th of November, you'll actually be listening to this on the day after my birthday. I know, how exciting. Now, not by design, but what's sort of funny about this is that obviously this book is by Andre Agassi, which who is obviously a very famous tennis player, and I grew up playing tennis, so I've kind of united various parts of me with putting this episode on very close to my birthday or the day after my birthday and it being something that is quite close to my heart. Now this is a book that I've heard recommended heaps and heaps of times on other podcasts, not specifically a book book podcast, but podcasts about people's lives, about lessons and, and books that had a real impact on people in particular. And this one kept popping up. So I thought it was about time that I read it. Now, Andre Agassi was obviously a name I grew up knowing and knowing, obviously, and watching some of his greatest hits on on TV when he was playing tennis and when he was actively playing tennis, but I really didn't know that much about him. I'm not someone who, whilst I enjoyed playing tennis and enjoyed watching it a bit, I was never really an avid fan of any particular player. So this book really took me by surprise, I suppose, would be be fair to say in terms of the, the depth and also the quite relentless in some ways story of how much he really hated tennis and I think a lot of that when you read the book you'll see why he hated it because he was very much pushed into it by quite a aggressive is probably a fair description uh, father there was also quite a lot of similarities here between this book and the Tiger Woods book now Andre Agassi took a bit of a different path compared to Tiger Woods and whilst they both have had some some challenges it seems that Andre Agassi has had a better support crew and a closer group of people around him and, and values those relationships a little bit more so he has managed to find his way out of some of what could have been quite difficult situations. I talked about the Tiger Woods book a few episodes ago so if you haven't listened to that one already I'll put a link to that in the show notes and you can compare and contrast for yourself. I mentioned a couple of episodes ago when I was talking about another biography that sometimes autobiographies or biographies are quite hard to analyse, if that's the right word, to pick out those three key big ideas. Mostly because sometimes there aren't really clear ideas. There's just lots of stories and you have to distill and find those themes a little bit more, which I quite enjoy doing. But it means that, and the beauty of that is that everyone will probably take away three very different key ideas because different things will resonate with different people at different points of their lives. And maybe if I read this again in five years time, I might take different ideas away. Unlike books that have got a particular theory or a model that they're putting across where the ideas are usually a little bit clearer. So if you've read Open, I'd love to hear from you. Drop me a note on LinkedIn, as a number of you have been doing over the last few weeks. Welcome along or on Instagram, links are in the show notes to to get hold of me through that way. Do tell me what your big ideas were. What did you take from the book Open by Andre Agassi? 
Now, if you're wondering who on earth I'm going on about, let me tell you a little bit more about the author. Andre Kirk Agassi is an American retired professional tennis player and former world number one, whose career spanned from the late 1980s to the early 2000s. In singles, Agassi is an eight-time Grand Slam champion and a 1996 Olympic gold medalist, as well as being a runner-up in seven other Grand Slam tournaments. During the Open era, Agassi was the first male player to win four Australian Open titles, a record that was later surpassed by the Joker, Novak Djokovic, when he won his fifth title in 2015, and then obviously overtaken by the great Roger Federer in 2017. Agassi is one of five male singles players to achieve the career Grand Slam in the Open era. Agassi retired from professional tennis on September the 3rd, 2006, after a long spate of injuries. He is the founder of the Andre Agassi Charitable Foundation, which has raised over $60 million for at-risk children in Southern Nevada. In 2001, the foundation opened the Andre Agassi College Prep Academy in Vegas, a K-12 public charter school for at-risk children. He's been married to fellow tennis player Steffi Graf since 2001. That was taken from the source of all knowledge, Wikipedia. So a little bit about the book. He is one of the most beloved athletes in history and one of the most gifted men ever to step on a tennis court. But from early childhood, Andre Agassi hated the game. Coaxed to swing a racket while still in the crib, forced to hit hundreds of balls a day while still in grade school, Agassi resented the constant pressure even as he drove himself, an inner conflict that would define him. In his beautiful, haunting autobiography, Agassi tells the story of a life framed by conflict. Yet despite raw talent, he struggles. We feel his confusion as he loses to the world's best, his greater confusion as he starts to win. After stumbling in three Grand Slam finals, Agassi shocks the world and himself by capturing the 1992 Wimbledon title. Overnight, he became a fan favorite and a media target. In the book, Agassi brings near photographic memory of to every pivotal match and every public relationship. He reveals the depression that shattered his confidence and the mistake that nearly cost him everything. Finally, he recounts his spectacular resurrection and his march to become the oldest man ranked number one. That was taken as an excerpt from the Amazon description of the book, link in the show notes. We've also included a couple of links in the show notes about Andre's foundation, so you can find out more about the school that he's opened, and also a YouTube clip, which is the 10 greatest Agassi ATP shots. They're pretty cool. I definitely would recommend checking those out. A couple of the quotes that I'm sharing this week, one of them that stood out to me more than the others is Agassi saying, I know something very few people on earth are permitted to know. A win doesn't feel as good as a loss feels bad. And the good feeling doesn't last as long as the bad, not even close. And when you read that in the context of the book, when he talks about that particular win, it's pretty gut-wrenching because he's just done something really quite amazing and he knows that that feeling is not anywhere near as good as the bad losses feel and that it won't last that long. But without further ado, let's go into the three big ideas I took from the book Open by Andre Agassi. Big idea number one, doing things other people want you to do won't make you happy. As I've alluded to already, Agassi was very much pushed into his sport by his father and it seemed that his father saw him as a bit of a last hope of having a pro sporting offspring. His dad had never made it himself as a professional sports person, although it got to fairly good levels. 
and clearly wanted that from one of his children. So from an incredibly young age, Andre was playing tennis and playing against much older children. He was then sent to the Boletari Academy in Florida at the age of 13, where there was a lot more rules and a lot more pushing, pushing him into tennis and pushing him into competitions and doing all the things he didn't want to do and away from home at quite a young age, which he didn't deal with particularly well. He famously also rebelled against the Wimbledon traditions, particularly around the dress code because he saw it as completely nonsense and, and out of date and some of the rules on the court as well, which got him into a fair bit of trouble and let the press really take a dig at him. So he spent most of his life being pushed into things and not really knowing how to manage that. So as a result, he had some very famous acts of rebellion in terms of what he wore, how he put his hair, getting an ear piercing, various hair colors as well, not just the styles of his hair before he eventually lost his hair, which really just speaks to the fact that he didn't have much control in anything. He hadn't had any choice in what he did and how he did it and where he did it and when he did it since a young age or a very young age, because it was always about he was gonna be a tennis player. So that lack of control or that loss of control really played out later in his life and throughout his career as many other things were taken away from him when choices were taken away from him. Even down to some of the relationships he had, which were seemed to be the other person or other people's doing and deciding that, oh, this will be a good relationship with you, be it personal or professional. As is very clear in the book that he was deeply unhappy at many, many points of his career and couldn't wait for it to be over. Now, at the point that it was over, that was obviously also quite hard and largely because he was plagued by a lot of injuries by that point. One of the other things actually in the book that I really took away was how incredibly taxing professional, the elite level of sports is on the body, which isn't really a surprise. But when you read the gory details, it's pretty frightening what, what people do to their bodies to stay and to perform at the, that level of expertise and professionalism. Now, of course, we can't go through life just always doing what we want to do. But what was very clear is that point that doing things that other people want you to do probably all the time, as if I was going to add to that, won't make you happy. And that particularly that loss of control, as I mentioned. So it is thinking about that give and take. Where can you relinquish control and where can you regain some control so that you do get that happy balance between doing things for yourself and doing things for other people or doing things that other people think you should be doing. But that was big idea number one. Doing things other people want you to do won't make you happy. Big idea number two, find your lifeguard. Now, whilst Andre hadn't had a great influence from his dad and, and from Nick Boletaria when he was at the academy in Florida, he finally found Gil, who became a very much a father figure and, and more than just his trainer. And there was a point in the book where Gil, they were out in a pub and someone asked Andre, is that your, your bodyguard? And when Andre thought about it, he said, actually, no, this guy, he thought this guy's actually my lifeguard. He's not just my bodyguard. And he actually wasn't officially his bodyguard, although he kind of stepped into that role sometimes too. But he really just protected Andre and nurtured him and made him really feel that he could do things that maybe Andre didn't believe he could or maybe didn't even want to sometimes. But Gil really was there and helped him through from concocting these crazy cocktails of the perfect formula of pre and post training drinks through to traveling with him making sure he was conditioned making sure he was in a good physical and mental state to compete and to perform the other person that he found along the way which who really obviously helped him because she understood it was Steffi Graf obviously now obviously they ended up in a relationship but both of them actually were with other people at the point that they met but they 
found each other and came together over the fact that they understood the life and Steffi had had quite a similar upbringing, although maybe not quite as harsh as Andre's in terms of being pushed into tennis from a young age and not really enjoying it all that much at that stage. So finding Steffi who understood him, understood his life and understood a lot of the the turmoil that he found himself in was obviously a big lifesaver for him, both personally and professionally. So big idea number two is find your lifeguard. Finally, big idea number three, give back what you wish you'd had. As I mentioned in the intro, Agassi opened a foundation or a school for kids and particularly high risk kids. This is quite ironic given how much he hated school and couldn't wait to be done with it. Again, another formal construct of things he didn't want to be doing, which doesn't really surprise you that he hated school. And he very much rebelled against that too. Even more ironic is that the school he has opened in the foundation has a uniform policy, which was one of the biggest things he rebelled against at most competitions, and in particular Wimbledon, where he refused to play for several tournaments for because of the, the, dress, the dress code policy for players. The school is designed to create the environment and the nurturing education experience that Andre didn't have. They have a mantra which is all about respect. And what he has realized over time, and he absolutely sees the irony in this himself too, is that he has been able to give back what he didn't have, what he didn't have the opportunity to enjoy and experience as a kid. And in particular, giving that back to kids who may not get those opportunities in, in other ways and may not get those opportunities, particularly to further their education. And they've actually designed the whole ecosystem of the school in that way. The school has longer days, which means the kids have somewhere to be, particularly if they've got parents or a parent at home who are working, working maybe multiple jobs and aren't there to always oversee them. Everything they do as well as even the physical environment is designed around promoting an aspiration to learn. So the kids in the junior school can see on the campus the, the bigger school where the older kids will go to to give them something to aspire to. And that likewise, the older kids can see where they came from and remember how small and kind of scared they were when they first started at the, the junior school, the, the prep school, and know that they are going on to something bigger and better because there's a whole corridor which is dedicated to universities at colleges and inspiring them to aspire to go to college and complete their education or further their education to give them more prospects as they go forward into adulthood. You can tell in the book that this is something that he is incredibly proud of and, and Whilst it was, I think, a bit of a surprise to him that he's ended up doing this, it's something that is a huge part of what he stands for and his values and and realising that he is in a unique position to be able to give kids those opportunities that he didn't have and and saw other people who didn't have those two. So that was big idea number three, give back what you wished you'd had. A quick recap, the three big ideas I took from Open by Andre Agassi were doing things that other people want you to do won't make you happy. Number two, find your lifeguard. And number three, give back what you wish you'd had. A couple of other points from the book. I did really enjoy it. It's pretty heavy sometimes in parts, I guess, is, is the would be the best way to describe it. 
the other thing is it's very detailed around some of the games he played and he talks shot by shot and apparently he really does have and you're never sure if he's just watched a load of videos back and it was added into the book but from like all accounts it seems that he actually has an incredible memory for details and a lot of the details he recalls from the various matches from the relationships he had from the interactions with people were from memory he remembers shot by shot he remembers what happened who said what and all of those little details so that was pretty impressive the other thing as i mentioned was the injury the level of toll on the body that tennis as a game can put on you now my back injury is actually caused by tennis so i have some understanding but not to the same extent obviously as someone like an andre agassi and the eight finally is that not just the physical toll on the body but the mental toll the mental angst of competing at that level even in something he hated and that was the incredible thing that even though he could just not wait to be done with tennis and for it to just come to an end and for his career to be over and to retire every loss hurt and really hurt and some hurt a lot more than others and required a lot more constellation and recovery and reflection than other ones did and you can see why it's addictive especially when they do get those highs from winning and even though he hated the sport you can kind of understand when you read the book why he kept going because a i'm not sure he knew what else he would do if he didn't play tennis and it was part of him and every win still counted and every loss still hurt so it must have still meant something really interesting and, and particularly reading about someone at that highest level of elite performance in and athleticism now unlike the tiger woods book that i mentioned earlier this was an autobiography whereas obviously the tiger woods book was a biography and didn't really have anything to do with tiger woods other than the people around him who were who were interviewed in the news reports etc so the difference is that whilst the tiger woods book was very good and i really enjoyed it it was an outside view looking in whereas this one is very much the person and his thoughts his feelings his emotions and the struggles that went with that whether or not you're into tennis or not i would really recommend this book like i said it's a really raw look at performance not regardless of what field that's in you can definitely see that some of these things would be absolutely relevant to almost any field. If you have read this book, I would love to hear from you. What did you think? Did you enjoy it? Did you find it a bit depressing? Or did you take some different takeaways away, take some big lessons and ideas away that were different to the ones I found? As usual, on Wednesday, I'll be releasing the mini-sode episode where you can find a little team-building question inspired by this book, opened by Andre Agassi, to take to your team and inspire and open up, there we go, pun intended, a deeper and better conversation. Contact details, as usual, are in the show notes if you've got anything to share off the back of this episode. But otherwise, in the meantime, happy reading. Happy reading.